Play the movie. Yeah, play. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning into another episode of the Milk Movies Podcast. I feel like we've had a lot of really big episodes, or at least I'll say that it's a big episode. Today is an especially big episode, I think. It's just another big one. So let's get into it. Jamie Foxx is set to reprise his role as Electro in Spider-Man 3. That means that he is officially entering the Marvel Cinematic Universe after first appearing in the same role in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. That is humongous news. If you are a comic book movie nerd, if you are just a comic book nerd in general, uh, if you like Jamie Foxx, like, wherever you stand on these things, this is gigantic news. It has been more or less confirmed uh, by him and a lot of people that he will not be blue in these upcoming movies. Uh, so depending on how big you are on the comic book accuracy part of these movies, uh, that might be really exciting to you. Uh, he, th- with the Amazing Spider-Man movies, there was a lot of backlash on those movies. I personally really enjoyed them. Uh, I know I'm not alone in that, but they definitely got more backlash than a lot of the other movies, and specifically the Spider-Man movies. The whole Jamie Foxx Electro thing probably got the most backlash. I think across the board, people love Jamie Foxx, but him being blue in those movies was not well-received at all. Very different from the comic book appearance of Electro. Uh, it kind of sounds like he's going to look like that in this movie. And uh, subsequently, if they continue on with this character, he will continue with that look. TBD. We'll see. Doesn't make the biggest difference in the world to me either way. Uh, but again, big repercussions from this news. Uh, if skip ahead here, if you don't want any spoilers, because what I'm about to go through definitely includes some spoilers. If you're not caught up on all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, or if you need a refresher, or if you've already heard this a million times and you just want to hear it again, or if you just want my perspective, whatever the case may be, I'm going to go over the repercussions of this news and how it ties into the rest of the universes or specifically the, the, excuse me, the Sony Marvel universe. So skip ahead here if you don't want to listen. The Sony Marvel Universe and the Marvel Cinematic Universe were really destined to connect and are pretty much confirmed to be connected at this point. Uh, So this news doesn't necessarily change that. It just further confirms it and makes it more exciting in general. So uh, that's kind of why I'm talking about it now. It's just a, a bigger deal. It's not a big deal, bigger deal. So again, Sony Marvel Universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe, they're just full-blown connected now. The first time we saw this and got a, a hint of like, oh, this is this is unique and cool and weird. When J.K. Simmons appeared as J. Jonah Jameson in Spider-Man Far From Home, that was the most recent Spider-Man movie and the last Marvel movie that we got to see, at the time, that just seemed like a really cool Easter egg. Now, if you're not familiar with the character or what I'm referring to specifically, J.K. Simmons is J. Jonah Jameson. J. Jonah Jameson appeared in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, not the Andrew Garfield ones, the Tobey Maguire ones. So, 
him, the, the same actor playing the same character in something that's naturally connected was a really big deal. Again, at the time, it just seemed like a really cool Easter egg for fans. But as these things have continued to unravel, it, it's a, an extra big deal. So, and I, I guess I haven't really talked about it on here before, it sounds like we're going to be seeing more of J.K. Simmons in this role as we move forward and probably in Spider-Man 3. So that's an extra big deal. Next up would be the Morbius trailer, which showed the Tobey Maguire slash Sam Raimi suit on a poster with Murderer spray-painted over it. This alluded to the end of Spider-Man Far From Home. And again, I'll kind of try to leave the spoilers out if you're not caught up or whatever the case may be, but the end credit scene kind of hints at something like that. Now, that could very much just be another Easter egg, or it could have just been because it's the trailer that they didn't have the rights to uh, the Tom Holland version of Spider-Man, or whatever the case may be. That was, at the time at least, it seemed like another really cool Easter egg. As the trailer went on, though, we eventually saw Michael Keaton's Adrian Toomes, or Vulture, in the trailer. That meant that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is directly crossing over into the Sony Universe. Again, because Sony has the rights to even this Tom Holland Spider-Man, there's a rumor or a thought or whatever that it was just something that they're going to say like, yeah, they're connected and they have the same characters, but they don't necessarily mean anything for the big picture in the MCU. But Sony has made it very clear as time has gone on and as these things continue to unfold that they want really as much crossover as possible. Sony has all the rights to these things like Venom and Morbius and kind of Spider-Man. They want it all to just be like one big thing. But that's that with with Vulture. Now, with Jamie Foxx officially joining the MCU, this connects the Andrew Garfield movies. So it ultimately ties in all of them. All three Spider-Men are connected in some way, shape, or form now. Even Venom is expected to connect to the MCU in one way or another, and it's expected to connect to Morbius in some capacity too. So... If I didn't connect the dots clearly enough there, I know there was a lot of information. Really, it's all speculation, but it's also been more or less confirmed that we're going to get the Tobey Maguire storyline is, in some sense, connected to the Andrew Garfield movies, and the Andrew Garfield movies are also connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Tom Holland. So, with all of these things crossing over this way, there's a lot that goes into it, but the idea of us getting a true live-action Spider-Verse movie, the one that we've all been praying for, could actually, actually happen now. It was already, I mean, it wouldn't take much for them to just do it. I don't think they would have to do much convincing, uh, but if they're going to go to this level to really just, again, make it happen in a way that makes sense and that is just purely awesome for fans... I am all, all, all in on it. I mentioned quite a while ago now with the announcement of Spider-Woman uh, and then even Craven, Craven the Hunter, was brought into it as well, and I'm about to bring him up even more. The Sinister Six and the inevitable fallout of Spider-Man, it's, it's like it's here. 
it's going to happen. We already know who's in the mix for the most part. We have Vulture. We have, again, I just mentioned Craven the Hunter. We have Venom. We have Morbius. Uh, we have, I'm forgetting on his name, but technically we'll have like Scorpion or whatever his name is from the end of Spider-Man Homecoming. And now with Electro coming into the mix, we just have more names to would be attached to it all. Uh, Mysterio, I forgot to mention him as well. The Sinister Six does not have to include only six villains, so we could very much get 20 for all we know. I don't really know what they're going to build up to, but the Sinister Six is going to happen. I would. I don't want Spider-Man to die, but it would be absolutely insane if we got this live-action Spider-Verse movie, and that's they brought all the Sinister Six together. They fought several Spider-Men. They kill Spider-Man or something like that. Andrew Garfield and Tommy Maguire go back to their universe, and then maybe they find a way to bring in Miles Morales or something. It'd be insane. It's it's all just so awesome. I'm so glad that it's all coming together like this. Everybody knows that I just can't wait to get back to the movie theater, which, hint, I'm going to get into that later in this episode as well. But I love this news so much. Jamie Foxx reprising his role as Electro in Spider-Man 3, officially entering the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Wonderful news. I believe it's December 2021, December 17th, 2021, to be to be exact. Uh, but man, I, I cannot wait. I'm so excited, so ready. Very much enjoy that news. Next up, Oscar Isaac and Jake Gyllenhaal, are set to star in a biopic about the making of The Godfather. I love this news as well. I, I'm being honest here. I have a lot of really good news to, to deliver this week. Some not-so-great news, and actually, now that I'm thinking of it, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I might have some pretty traumatic news, uh, so do a quick 180 on that. Uh, but in terms of like upcoming projects and stuff, just cool news. So like I said, Oscar Isaac and Jake Gyllenhaal set to star in a biopic about the making of The Godfather. This is different than the Scarface remake that I've talked about on here a few times. Uh, that is, it's just a remake of Scarface, an iconic film that you kind of shouldn't remake, but they're doing it anyways. Here, it's about the making of the movie. So it'll be the behind the scenes uh, and probably like a story we haven't heard about the movie before. So I, I really, really like that. I really, really, really like Oscar Isaac and Jake Gyllenhaal teaming up for something like this. Barry Levinson is set to direct the film, and then Oscar Isaac will star as the director of The Godfather, Francis Ford Coppola, and Jake Gyllenhaal will star as producer Robert Evans. So again, I really like this concept. I really like this cast. Very, very much looking forward to whatever they're able to make with this biopic. Next up, again, I, I love this news. This, I was born to deliver this news I was born to see this movie when it comes out. Ugh, I'm so excited. Idris Elba is set to star in Beast from director Balthazar, Cormacur, and Universal Pictures. The reason that I'm excited for this. The film has been categorized as a survival thriller and features a lion as the predatory antagonist. Folks, Idris Elba versus a lion in a movie is a near-perfect concept for a film. No details have been shared past that. And it, it like, okay, if we're being honest, this movie's not going to be good. And that's fine, because that's not the point. Like, Idris Elba versus a lion in a movie called Beast? Like, what else do you want? 
like that's what movies are made for. Idris Elba versus a lion in Beast. That's that's why we go to the theater. That's why we watch movies. Whenever I have more information about that, I'm going to milk it like no other, no pun intended with the podcast. Uh, but man, oh man, I am ready for whatever is in store with Idris Elba versus a lion in the movie Beast. Speaking of lions, Barry Jenkins is set to direct Disney's live-action sequel adaptation of The Lion King. Yeah, the one from 2019 and the one from the 90s. From what I understand, it has not been really confirmed, but it sounds like it is going to be a live-action version of The Lion King 2. So the original animated Lion King 2, it's just going to be that in live-action. Which, so be it, uh, not that many people really loved The Lion King from 2019 just because it was more or less the same thing from the original with a few uh, maybe improper changes here and there. Uh, But whatever. Barry Jenkins, you might know him from the movie Moonlight. But uh, there's no, again, I think I mentioned this, there's no release date set. Not a ton of details about it. No release date set. But Jeff Nathanson has completed an initial draft of the script. He also penned the script for the first one, or at least the one from 2019, that live action uh, version. So, don't know what that means necessarily for the second one, but it sounds like they are well on their way with the sequel. So that's that. Now, okay, so all of that was pretty good news. Again, I the Jamie Foxx news was probably been my favorite. The Idris Alba was the best news of all time. The Oscar Isaac and Jake Gyllenhaal news is just really awesome. And then Barry Jenkins being attached to the Lion King sequel. That's just uh, good for him. Good for him for getting the bag from Disney. This news is what is... Uh, traumatic or possibly traumatic. Two more delays. The delays themselves are really not that big of a deal, but also they are because No Time to Die was scheduled to release in November. It has been delayed until April 2nd, 2021. As a result of No Time to Die moving to April 2nd in 2021, F9, the Fast Saga, so Fast and Furious, that has been delayed until May 28th of 2021 because 007 or No Time to Die took its spot. That was after its delay, after they moved it back about an entire year, uh, that was scheduled to release on April 2nd, 2021. So they just do some shuffling around there. That news is take it or leave it. Delays are inevitable. What sucks? Regal Cinemas is closing every single movie theater in the United States and the United Kingdom which I don't blame them. And it kind of sucks. Like if you don't have new movies to show and people aren't going back to the movie theater right now, what are you supposed to do? But like stay open, please. Because again, I'm going to kind of intermittently talk about this as this episode goes on. I can finally go back to the movie theater on Friday, October 9th. I go to an AMC movie theater. I have my AMC A-list thing, whatever it's called. Regal has nothing to do with me. But if Regal Cinemas is going to close every theater because of movies being delayed and, again, not being able to show anything new, how far behind them is AMC? What is AMC thinking? Are they going to follow suit and are they going to close too until they have something new to show? Now, Regal, from what I understand, they don't necessarily have a a reopen date. I don't know if they plan on reopening uh, in December or something because there are some movies on the table for December to be open. Don't know. They might even just be waiting until November. 
But if AMC, if I got all the way to the week of being able to get back into the theater, and then AMC says, "Ah, Regal has it right. We have to close too," I'll be devastated. I, can, I, I get it, and I understand the safety part of it and all. But at some point, like, I, I just want to get back into the movie theater. I just want to see movies again. And I know that's everybody. I know there's a safety part of it. And I know there's a ton of money on the table that every money's just getting screwed around with a lot of things. It just sucks. Like 2020, nightmare of a year. But what a tease that would be to me that again, the week I can get back, they shut everything down again. But we'll see. I'll keep you in the loop. Let's get into some trailers. Hopefully this is a little bit better news. The Witches will be coming to HBO Max on October 22nd. This is a remake of the 1990 movie adapted from Roald Dahl's book, the synopsis for the 2020 version. Again, based on Roald Dahl's 1983 classic book, The Witches, the story tells the scary, funny, and imaginative tale of a seven-year-old boy who has a run-in with some real-life witches. The 1990 synopsis, just a little bit different, a young boy stumbles onto a witch convention and must stop them even after he has been turned into a mouse. The cast includes Anne Hathaway, Octavia Spencer, and Stanley Tucci. Uh, I have no idea if I'm going to review this or not when it comes around at the end of the month. Uh, There are quite a few, I'm referring to them as spooky movies, coming out this month. Obviously, it's October, Halloween season. Uh, So I guess I'll keep you guys in the loop. I don't know how excited I am to see this, The, the first one, the original very well received. I'd be lying if I said that I had seen it. It's not a great look for me, but probably going to have to get around to that before I see the 2020 version. Like I said, a lot of mo- like there actually are a lot of movies coming out this month and it's it's actually very it's a relief. It's it's just it's just nice that we're going to have some new stuff. Some of them I'm not expecting to be great, but this one could be good. Got high hopes for it coming to HBO Max, which it's HBO, so that's literally always a good thing. Uh but yeah, I'll keep you guys in the loop. Again, that is The Witches coming to HBO Max on October 22nd. Next up, The Craft Legacy coming to premium video on demand on October 28th. It is the remake of the 1996 version. And the synopsis for it, a group of high school students form a coven of witches, a sequel of the 99, or excuse me, 1996 film, The Craft. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I was looking forward to it. We will see how it goes. Uh... Again, not proud to say this. Haven't seen the original. So be it. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't think I'm looking forward to it. The, the tricky thing with scary movies and horror movies is that they are either absolutely sensational or they're terrible. It's really hard to find movies that are somewhere in the middle. Obviously, there's something to be said about just being in a scary, spooky Halloween mood and watching something to kind of get the urge out and just see something scary, even if it doesn't like scare you to your core. Um, but yeah, I, I, just, I don't know. I like them. I like those movies, but there are some that they just miss and it's not worth the time. So we'll see if the craft legacy coming to premium video on demand on October 28th is worth its while. Finally, Probably, it's not probably, it's the biggest trailer that is released in a while. This one will be coming to Amazon Prime on October 23rd. After rumors had been floating around for it for a while, that it would be coming and that people had been seeing him on the streets and whatnot. But now, we finally know, again, 
Amazon Prime, October 23rd. Borat, subsequent movie film, delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make-benefit-once-glorious nation of Kazakhstan. It's here. The Borat sequel is here. We don't really have a full synopsis for it, but we do know that Borat and his daughter come back to America 14 years after the success of the 2006 film. Uh, I will say that Sasha Baron Cohen looks significantly older as Borat than he did in 2006, which is not a surprise at all. It, that's just how life and time works. But it is very interesting to see him as Borat again 14 years later, and it's very clear that it is Borat 14 years later. I'm expecting this to be phenomenal. I think it's going to be very, very, very funny. I hope that it's very timely. They've been poking at politics and today's politics a lot. Uh, so we will see how much it's actually touched on in the movie and what they make of it all. Uh, but I'm very much looking forward to it, whereas The Witches and The Craft Legacy, I have no idea if I'm going to be reviewing them with my current schedule for October. Uh, I actually do have a lot of things scheduled out, so you're welcome. I'm not going to be leaving you hanging uh, week to week like I had been for the past few months. Uh, Borat 2, I'm going to be talking about on here, just straight up. October 23rd it releases, I believe that's a Friday. I will be talking about that on, pod, on the, excuse me, on the podcast. Very excited to do so. Next week, like I said, I actually kind of have a schedule out there now. There are a lot of movies that are coming out this month, and it's a lot easier for me to schedule things as opposed to things being moved around and doing whatever with movie theaters and VOD stuff and all that. So this week, what will be coming out on Tuesday, we have Black Box and The Lie. Those will be on Amazon Prime, again, on Tuesday. This is the kickoff of the movies from Blumhouse, and I think this is, they're referring to it as, like, the Blumhouse. So this is the Blumhouse and Amazon Prime crossover, Black Box and The Lie, coming out on Tuesday, before the next two movies come out on next Tuesday. I will warn you guys. It's not really a warning. I guess it's, like, a little bit of a teaser. I do have something fun planned when all four movies are out. So it's not going to be this coming Sunday that I talk about Again, Black Box and The Lie. But once I have all four, going to have something fun to do with those movies when I can talk about them on the podcast. Next up, Spontaneous. That came out uh, over this past weekend in theaters on Tuesday. It will be available on VOD for you to rent, possibly purchase. I believe it will just be a rental for the time being, though. Uh, but you will be able to see Spontaneous as well if you have not done so yet. That is the movie where... Teenagers just spontaneously combust and they explode. And I guess spontaneously combust is catch on fire, but they just explode spontaneously. Catherine Langford stars. Uh, it looks like it's going to be fun, but it could also be terrible. I guess I haven't really looked into early scores for it yet, so I should probably do that. But uh, spontaneous, I plan on talking about that next week as well. I'll get into that in a second. Hubie Halloween, that will be available on Wednesday on Netflix. That is the Adam Sandler, Sandler Gang, Happy Madison crew Halloween movie, and it's going to be terrible, but I'm going to be talking about that as well. And then finally, The War with Grandpa, that will be in theaters on Friday. That is Robert De Niro, De Niro just being an old grandpa and having to share a room with his grandson, and it's, I mean, what else am I supposed to say about that? That's, that's the other movie that's coming out this weekend, that only in theaters. So again... On the podcast next week, I will be talking about Hubie Halloween, reluctantly. Why not just talk about a really bad movie that, I like, going into it, I know it's going to be really bad. It's always fun. Spontaneous, 
I plan on talking about as well. Uh, I'm not quite sure yet if I'm going to make the time to see that in theaters or if I'm just going to rent it really quick. Uh, but then finally, as I've been hinting at, unless something changes, I, again, if AMC decides like, yeah, we're, we're going to shut down too, then I'm not going to be able to do this and I'm going to be devastated. But I can finally see the new mutants. I know that it's not good. It has not been well received from people that have seen it in theaters. So I'm not looking forward to it from a, I can't wait to see it. It's so good kind of sense. I just, I need to see this movie. Finally, get to talk about the new mutants. So next week on the podcast, Hubie Halloween, Spontaneous, and the new mutants. If everything goes according to plan, I'll let you guys know if it doesn't. Today, what I will be reviewing, starting with The Glorias that released on Amazon Prime last week, the synopsis for it. The story of feminist icon Gloria Steinem's itinerant childhood's influence on her life as a writer, activist, and organizer for women's rights worldwide. Finally, just two movies this week. So Ava will be the second movie that I review that released just a few weekends ago. It had a limited theatrical release. It's also available on demand right now. The synopsis for it. Ava is a deadly assassin who works for a black ops organization traveling the globe, specializing in high-profile hits. When a job goes dangerously wrong, she is forced to fight for her own survival. Without further ado, let's review The Glorias. Gloria Steinem will always have her place in history for her role in the feminist movement of the 60s and 70s that helped change the landscape of women in America and women around the world today. As for the telling of her story through the lens of a movie, however, there was some good and some not so good. The Glorias is rated R. It was directed by Julie Taymor. It is categorized as a biography and a drama that runs two hours and 27 minutes long, and it stars Julianne Moore, Alicia Vikander, Ryan Kira Armstrong, Lulu Wilson, and Gloria Steinem herself in a little bit of a cameo role. The Glorias comes in at a 68% full on the milk meter. Interesting and informational from start to finish, there is a lot to be taken away from the Glorias regarding what Gloria Steinem has fought for and accomplished, but while that's all well and good, the intertwining of her life story and when certain events came about didn't feel as impactful as they could have or maybe should have as a result of the stylistic choices they made. First off, the four actresses that portrayed Gloria were fantastic. I had high hopes for that choice going into the movie and thought they all delivered their parts very well. Second, the timeline just became too much of a distraction for a multitude of reasons. While I don't believe movies should always be told in a straight line, you definitely need to be careful if you're going to tell the story differently. For a story like Gloria Steinem's and how they wanted to tackle one accomplishment at a time by focusing on how events throughout her life all came together to affect it, there was a lot to like about how they integrated the four arrows of her life with the four actresses. Unfortunately, it didn't work 100% of the time and was especially distracting when stylistic transitions were used unnecessarily. As for the supporting cast that was her friends and family, I got nothing. Obviously, the story was not about them, but they didn't do any favors for her in failing to add a much-needed emotional touch. Fortunately, the story remained strong, and there is enough to like to make the Glorias a worthwhile and important story to follow. Ava may be the most 2004 movie not released in 2004, that I have ever seen in my entire life, thanks to some interesting score and transition choices, paired with a very long and very outdated title intro. Ava is rated R, is directed by Tate Taylor, 
It is categorized as an action, crime, and drama movie that runs one hour and 36 minutes long, and it stars Jessica Chastain, John Malkovich, Colin Farrell, and Common. Ava comes in at a 26% full on the milk meter. While I mean no disrespect to 2004, or any movie released in that year, Ava was just a bad movie that was released in the wrong decade. Plagued by surface-level dialogue, a confusing and bland plot with characters who I could not have cared less for, there isn't much to praise from a film that featured too much talent to be this bad. No, I don't necessarily blame the actors for what went wrong with this movie, as it seemed very clear that the performance they delivered was the performance that was desired, but boy oh boy did it not work for me. At no point in Ava did I find myself attached to a character or the role they were playing in the story, nor did they offer up any reason to care for them as they were all pretty bad people fighting for who knows what. Usually movies like this at least allow you to lean on the action to make up for the poor story, but even that felt clunky and boring. If you were hoping to see an action-packed and thrillingly intense story like that of a John Wick installment, I hate to disappoint those who have yet to see it, but Ava falls plenty short of being the next great action saga. That is all I have for news and my two reviews this week. Uh, remember to follow me on Twitter, at Milk Movies. Rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast if you have not done so already. Share it with your friends. Uh, a lot of new movies coming out all throughout October. Some big ones coming out this week as well. Uh, mostly on streaming, some in theaters as well. Catch up if you have not done so already. Thank you everyone for listening. Hasta la vista.